Good morning. We're an honor to be here serving in this way this morning. An honor it is to serve in this church in the way that we always get to. Uh, my wife, Jade, and I, we've been a part of this church for five years. And uh, we love it. We love this church. We love you people. And uh, I told the choir uh, a couple weeks ago that it's went by fast for me. Maybe it's felt like 10 years for them. I don't know. But it's went, the five years that went by really fast. Uh, we love serving. We love what we're doing. We're glad that God has called us here. And the love that we have felt from you all through your prayers and through your care to us has meant a lot through the years. And really has meant a lot to us as a couple as we've grown spiritually and also just uh, in our marriage. And uh, you, we're, we're thankful for you. Uh, and uh, we're thankful for the leadership of Pastor Seth, and even sometimes we're thankful for Pastor Brandon. So. And uh, 20 months ago, Miss Charlie came into our lives, and uh, that's given us a new sense of uh, what being a part of a church is all about, seeing you love her, seeing the care that you have for her, and that you pray for her, and ask about her, and... Um, She's one loved little girl, and we're just honored that she gets to grow up in a church where people love her and care about her and where she's taught the Word and will grow up knowing Scripture and the Bible. Now, I tear up when I talk about her, so I'm going to have to move on. We are honored to be a part of this church and this uh, teaching that we're always previewed to here. And I'm excited for this series that we're in this fall. Pastor Seth has uh, kicked us off in our new series called Renewed Generosity. And we're going to be in this all the way through October. Really excited about it because it focuses on the, the core convictions, the core values that we have as a church. And we're to love God and love people by using our spiritual gifts to advance the kingdom of God. We're called to be on a disciple's path. Pastor Seth started us with a heart of faith last week. Each week we'll be focusing on a different core of our hearts. And I'm honored this week to bring the word before us and we're focusing in on a heart of worship. And I know what you're thinking the worship guys preaching on worship. And you're right. We're probably going to be here for a while. We uh, probably should have had rice ball ordered and uh, passed it around the pews here. But I am very passionate about worship and have studied it. And uh, it's something that has uh, been a part of my heart for a long time. And this morning, as I get the opportunity to share why, you may be surprised at some of the reasons of why it's a core part of our faith. Worship is a very important part to all of our lives as Christ followers. And it's why it's at the beginning of this series that we're going to be going through this fall. All of these core values are stepping stones. And where Pastor Seth started us with the heart of faith, the natural next one is a heart of worship. And as we go through this fall, you'll see these stepping stones and how we go forward from one to the other as we're growing together as a church. 
But worship is really important for us to fully understand what it is. So this morning we're going to be asking ourselves some questions to lead us along to not only know what worship is, but why do we need to worship? Why do we worship? Knowing the why is always an important thing. That's always important for us to keep on the surface in everything that we do, in our professional lives, our personal lives, but in our spiritual lives, the who is the most important. So in this context of worship, we're first going to ask together, where does a heart of worship come from? The Bible tells us that a heart of worship comes from God. Scripture is filled with worship. From the first words of Genesis, when God created all there was, to the final songs in Revelation, we see that the big theme and purpose of creation is worship. Now, we've all been created, compelled, and commanded to worship. Now, that's powerful. For us to be created, compelled, and commanded to worship. So it's important that we do not fail to grasp what worship is. Because if we do, we're missing out on that personal relationship of adoration with God. A personal relationship of adoration with God. Worship is from God and is to be returned to God. There's a definition of sin that's been running through my mind this week. And Miss Charmy teaches this definition of sin to her Puggles class in Awanas. And, and I can hear them saying it, and you might too if you've been around Awanas or you've been to the closing ceremonies in the last few years. So if, if you have it memorized too, go ahead and say it with me. But sin is anything we think, say, or do that disobeys God. And worship's definition is the exact opposite of that. Worship is anything we think, say, or do that obeys God. Romans 12 and verse 1 instructs us that we're to be a living sacrifice. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in the view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your worship. So our worship entails dedication of the total person to God's honor. Everything that we are from the inside out that makes us up is to give God honor. So now that we know that a heart of worship comes from God, we need to turn ourselves to this question, what does a heart of worship call us to? So this brings us to the first truth of a heart of worship. A heart of worship calls us to live authentically. Let us look together in Isaiah 29, verse 13. We're just going to focus on this one verse. The Lord said, These people approach me with their speeches to honor me with their lip service, yet their hearts are far from me, and human rules their worship of me. 
Isaiah is highlighting here the root of Israel and Judah's problems. Now, they had a lot of problems, but the root of their problems was their heart. Their hearts were far from God. They were going through religious motions, but their hearts weren't in it. And you know, we can do the exact same thing in our lives today. Even when we gather here corporately for worship, we might physically and mentally be here, but spiritually it can be a whole different situation. And this may not even be our intention. This may not even be our heart's desire inside us. Rory Noland is an author that I've followed for a long time. He's a longtime worship pastor and uh, speaker. And he has an example of what he calls worship ADD. And he describes the symptoms as a lack of focus, a faraway look in the eyes, and it's as if our brains are having an out-of-body experience. Now, usually in the beginning of service, we're all in. We're engaged, we're focused, but within five to ten minutes, we begin to wander. We begin to get completely distracted sometimes. Our mouths might be moving, but we're not really thinking. We're not really thinking about what we're singing. We're not really thinking about what's being heard, what we're being called to participate in. Instead, we can be thinking about our plans for the rest of the day or why is my stomach grumbling so much, Uh, calls that we need to make, things that are coming up in our work week, situations that are going on in our lives. So don't feel bad. You're not the only one that suffers with worship ADD. Gary Thomas writes this. I want to read this paragraph. It amazes me how casually I can sing songs of deep, almost heroic commitment. It's as if I think, as long as I'm singing, the words I say don't really matter. God knows it's just a song. While my mind wanders, I promise to bow before the Lord, to proclaim his name to the ends of the earth, and to go as far as to die to express my faith. Yet the words may be sung with scarcely more emotion than I feel when I'm ordering a cheeseburger. How often do we Christians take the Lord's name in vain during our worship? As I was thinking about this this week, it just thought, across my mind of how much it must break God's heart when we worship Him without conviction. When we're going through the motions of worship without being completely connected. Worshiping without conviction is exactly what led to Jesus to echo Isaiah 29.13 and Matthew 15.8. These people honor me with their lips But their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines the commands of men. Let me just get something across to us this morning. This might be hard to handle. This small little phrase. It's not about us. It's not about us. During times of musical worship or during the sermon, the hearing of God's word, we've got to get beyond ourselves and focus in on God. In the late 1990s, the church that Matt Redman was a part of in England, he was their worship pastor. And their lead pastor, since that the church 
their worship was just going really flat spiritually. That the congregation was just going through the motions. They weren't focusing. Worship wasn't flowing from the heart. There was a dynamic missing that they expressed. So the pastor, he made a really bold move. He took out the sound system. He didn't just stop using it. They took it out. They removed it. They removed everything from the stage musically. They took away the band. They took away the singers. So for this season, they just gathered together with their voices. And so the point that the pastor was making is that they'd they'd lost their way. They'd lost their way in worship. And so during that season, the congregation was challenged to not just be consumers, but to be participants in worship. To not just watch with their eyes with the glazed-over ADD, but to come ready to be engaged to be engaged with God for themselves from the heart, not just watch with their eyes. To hear Matt Redman, who was the worship pastor at the time, to talk about this made me laugh because I could sense where he was coming from. He said the first couple weeks that they did this, he thought, why am I even here? (laughs) What am I doing? Maybe I should go lead somewhere else until we bring the sound system back. But he realized he was missing the point. He was just with the congregation. It wasn't about him. It wasn't about how hard he'd worked on that guitar lick all week long, but then he didn't get to do it at all. It wasn't about him. And so eventually, they were able to reintroduce reintroduce the musicians and the sound system because they had gained a new perspective. That worship is all about Jesus. Worship's all about Jesus, and he commands us to have a response from the bottom of our hearts, no matter what the circumstance, no matter the setting. So this song that we sang together in worship this morning, hopefully you sang, hopefully you participated, it comes out of that experience. When the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come, You search much deeper within. You're looking into my heart. Now, it comes down to this. The essence of worship is not the many good externals. They can be good things. It can be coming together, enjoying the fellowship, being together with your family and friends, getting the enter-in Bible fellowship times, gatherings, hopefully hearing good music from time to time, especially this Sunday when I wasn't involved in being able to appreciate abilities, talents, good things, but they're external things. The heart and the head, truth and spirit, that's the core. That's our values. Our spirit, stirred by the Holy Spirit, in worship through true things, God's love, His Son, His gospel. But this has to be the same in our personal lives, in our private times, outside of the walls of this church. 
It's all about Jesus, not us. Could proclaim that on a banner this morning and have it flying over the sanctuary. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. And this is how we live authentically, with Jesus at the center. He's the focus. It's got to be his commands we consider first before our preferences. And I love this song. I love Matt Redmond's song. I love where it came from. Because it makes us think. It makes us think about refocusing, recentering, and reminding ourselves why we worship and who we worship. But it goes further than that. It's also a song of repentance, of reconsecration. Not just in worship, but in all of life. And we all know how easy it is to get distracted. We can get distracted from the main things. And especially from the main person. Jesus is greatly honored. He's greatly honored when we bring ourselves, with the help of the Holy Spirit, back to an authentic heart of worship. The second truth of a heart of worship that we're going to focus on this morning is a heart of worship calls us to spiritual maturity. It's when our desires, when our devotions are fixed on Him. And when that happens, we have no chance but to be transformed. Let's look at it this way. When we recognize who God is and we truly look at his characteristics, his attributes, it begins to transform us from the inside out. This transformation calls us to begin to die to ourselves and we become like the one we worship. God desperately wants this from us. He wants this from each of us. An authentic heart of worship. He's going to call us to grow. He said it himself. Be holy as I am holy. Jesus said be perfect. Therefore as your heavenly father is perfect. And you know when we look at worship from this perspective. It becomes more practical. Hebrews 6 tells us. We are to be continually growing. Toward maturity. Spiritual maturity is Christ's likeness, being like Jesus. Ephesians 4.13 describes it as growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. And as Christ followers, we're constantly being called to move toward three different goals. Our unity of faith and knowledge of God's Son, maturity, and the fullness of Christ. And since our Father wants us to mature, He calls us to it, He desperately wants that from our lives, we've got to stop from time to time. And we've got to examine our life. We've got to examine our hearts to see if we're making progress. You know, physical growth is pretty easy to evaluate. All you need is a tape measure, this way or this way. And we can see how much we've grown. Mental growth is also 
got some pretty straightforward ways to access, to evaluate. But how do we know if we're grown spiritually? So being a parent, I quickly think to how kids develop. Desires, understanding, selflessness. Our little girl, Charlie, is 20 months old. And we are in full force of her expressing her opinion. When she doesn't want to do something or when she desperately wants to do something. So in each of these areas, desires, understanding, and selflessness, we can see how she's growing. We can see how she's moving forward. Uh, Her desires, they've changed. Even at her age, they've changed from since she was a baby. Things that she thought were fun now aren't fun. The little toys she used to like to shake, she doesn't get it out anymore. When I try to kiss her, I'm greeted with a, stop it, daddy. She's changing. Her desires are changing. Her understanding. Uh, Maybe even her understanding why she can't have the entire big bag of M&M's or play outside 24 hours a day. The selflessness. What she wants when she wants it. uh, Those tantrums when she doesn't get her way. All three of these areas are relatable to children. But they're just as relatable to us as adults. As we're sinners. They're relatable to us. Have our desires changed? In our spiritual maturity, are we losing interest in the pleasures of the world? Is our hunger for God's word and his message increasing in our lives? We've got to run this check on ourselves. But we've got to be honest about the answers we find. Because they may not be the ones we were hoping to get. Our understanding and selflessness in our spiritual growth, it might take some time. This transformation in believers is an instant. It's not going to happen right then. But in time, we begin to see life through God's perspective. Trials and temptation becomes opportunity for spiritual growth. And as we become more mature, we become submissive to the Lord, willing to wait, and we're more concerned about others than we are ourselves. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11. When I was a child... I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. Maybe we're not doing so well in some of these areas. Just being honest with ourselves. Maybe we still have a few childish things to let go of in order to grow into a more mature believer. Ultimately, The greatest evidence of maturity is love. When the Lord and other people have the first place in our heart, that's when we're the most like Jesus. So we can measure physical, mental, and also spiritual maturity. And that's measured 
by our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's our relationship with Him, the giver of life. Our personal relationship with Him. That's our measure for our spiritual maturity. A natural progression then takes us from spiritual maturity to our third focus of a heart of worship. And that's a heart of worship calls us to evangelism. So after looking at this, after recognizing who God is, taking in His mercies and His forgiveness and His grace that's been given to us, the natural response from us is we need to surrender. We have to surrender to God. And this should happen in every aspect of our lives. In every single aspect of our lives. You know, worship is way more than just a Sunday morning experience. Way more than just a Sunday morning experience. If we're called to be living sacrifices, that means God, He wants control over every minute of our lives. 1 Corinthians in verse 31, we're instructed to do whatever you do for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. So this concept of worship, it's all about letting God use us. It's being used by God. And to help us come to this understanding, we go back to our banner. It's not about us. It's about Him. Psalm 115 verse 1 reminds us of it. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to Your name. Give glory because of Your faithful love, because of Your truth. God's calling us to be more than just sinful people. He's calling us to be worshipers who are on mission for Him in every aspect of our lives. Now this is where it gets really exciting. This is where worship meets evangelism. God uses our worship to draw people to himself. When we look at God's word to define and understand evangelism, just as we should look to his word to define everything in our lives, we see the Great Commission in Matthew 28 and what that commands us to. Go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them of all the commands He is giving us. Now this isn't a request. This isn't a suggestion. God's giving us our life's mission. We're commanded. We're commanded to go and make disciples. Now just like worship, evangelism can be approached with a lot of preconceptions and a lot of biases. But when we look at Scripture, it becomes clear to us that it all starts with our connection with God. One thing that I really want to make clear to us this morning is that being a disciple who makes disciples does not have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be difficult. 
It can be as simple as sharing your personal relationship with others. Sharing your relationship with God with the people around you. Telling them who you were before knowing Jesus and explaining to them how you've changed, who he's changed, who you are. And telling others about Jesus usually means that we've got to step out of our comfort zones, which can be scary, which can be like uh, preaching in Sunday morning service. But the command from God, it pushes us. It pushes us to do things that make us uncomfortable. And one of those is raising our head up in our lives and talking to the people around us. We can tend to just kind of walk around our lives not wanting or desire to talk to anybody. But God's calling us to raise up our heads and to connect with people. And not because we want to all the time. It's similar in worship. We may not want to all the time. We may not want to sing out. We may not want to focus. You don't know what I got going on in my life. You don't know how hard it is to even walk in this building this morning. But it comes down to worship and evangelism, they both require obedience. See, Jesus gave the great commission that we just read as his final command to his people. It's his final command to his people. And it's got to be obeyed. And it's got to be obeyed at all costs. For if worship and evangelism are both to be done right and be done at the same time, We've got to say no to ourselves and yes to Jesus every single time. That's a continual thing. No to ourselves and yes to Jesus in this battle, in all these struggles and all the self-doubt that's going to come through working through these issues. We've got to know that God's always with us. He's always guiding us. He's always preparing us. To better serve him. To better serve him in spite of who we are. We know who we are. We know what our ideas are. We know when something is ours to say. And then we know when God leads us, when God guides us, when he gives us a word. Or maybe when he doesn't have us say anything. We know who we are. And God will use us. In both worship and evangelism, God can use us in ways we never even thought were possible. We've got to step out. We've got to step out by faith and trust God with everything that we have in our lives. So let's have this thought and this focus on our minds and our hearts this morning. The more that we let him take over the details of our lives, the more we become like Christ. So this morning, each of us are in a different place. We're in a different walk with the Lord. We're in different seasons of life. We have different needs, different issues, different things that are bothering us. But as different as we are, we all have the same need for the same Savior, for that same grace, for that same mercy, for that same extension. And then we extend that to others. Everybody that we come in contact with, we extend God 
to them. So as we close this morning, I want us to take some time to really examine our heart of worship. Are we being authentic? Are we growing? As we have this time of closing together, you can stand where you are or you can come forward. But I urge you to make the commitments that you need to make to God. Take those next steps as we build through this series, as we build through thinking of a heart of faith, a heart of worship, and the ones to come. We each have decisions that we need to make, different places. What are our next steps going to be for me, for us? But this is the place to do it. This is the place to take those practical steps. This is the place to draw closer to Him and have it carry over to the rest of your life. Peggy and Erica are going to come out and uh, lead us in a song. And, and as they do, I'll be here forward if you need to pray or talk. And so will some of our other pastors. We want to be able to help you connect with God in the ways that you need to. But let's not breeze over this moment. Let's take a self-examination that we were talking about this morning into our heart of worship and really connect with God. Let's stand together.